Hey everyone and welcome once again to That Vintage Lens Podcast. We are here in Chicago, not in the studio today, um, and we have a special guest. Uh, so I'll introduce him in just a second, but uh, I'm also here in the studio with Andy Adamas and Daniel Gebert. Um, and our special guest today is none other than Dan Tamarkin here from Tamarkin Camera. So thank you very much, Dan, for being with us today. I, I know you're taking a lot of time out of your schedule to be part of this. So It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Andy actually connected with you at, what was it in, here in? Photorama. <laughs> Photorama. Yeah. Is, a, is a show that happens throughout the country and a couple of times here in Itasca, Illinois. And so uh, we met in, I think, Itasca at a Photorama show. Yeah. And it's a big photo swap, lots of great stuff, prints, uh, cameras, film, filters, all kinds of stuff. Nice. Yeah, I walked around that whole show. It was the first time I had ever walked around in a, in a photo. Actually, it's the first camera show I've ever been at. Hmm. There's not too many of them anymore. There's not too many yeah, anymore. Especially so, film photography yes. ones. Mm. Yeah. And I talked to every person, or at least I tried to talk to everyone, and Dan, your personality was the one that jumped out to me. <laughs> I took your catalog, and the guys can vouch for me. I brought the catalog to work. The catalog is still in our break room, <laughs> sitting there. We all but, take our lunch breaks and gaze over the fineness it's true. within it's the pages. True. It's true. So... Well, I do want to talk a little bit about um, what you do at Tamarkin Camera. Um, first, what we typically do uh, starting out is we'll kind of have a recap of what we've been shooting the past couple weeks. Um, you know, if we've picked up any new cameras or if we're shooting anything new or trying any new techniques. Uh, Daniel, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, so I've I've uh, I've gotten back into a little dabbling into developing color film hmm. with a buddy of mine. And we did it a few times in college, just experimenting with black and white and color, and got back into it. And I just, it's so much fun. It's its so great. I wish I had more time to do black and white and color and all that stuff um, just all the time. But um, yeah, I just uh, developing some, some Fuji Pro 400H and some Portrait 400 and just loving the results out of that film through the Mamiya. So nice. that's basically what I've been up to. Nice. Yeah, I've I've seen you uh, doing a lot with the developing lately. So the the color is a nice step. Yeah, it's like going up from black and white to developing. It's, color. A, it's a day process, yeah. especially with me and a buddy. You know, because you're you're hanging out and you're you know you're just being friends, and then it's like also we're developing film, so it takes like six hours to get <laughs> yeah. through a few rolls, and but it's it's a blast. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I wish I could do it more. Nice. You should. I sh I should. We don't want to keep paying. We pay a fortune for film development. Dan. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It is very true. So when Dan started developing, we we're like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need to we need to say Dan and Daniel. Dan and because, Daniel, that's right. Yes. You know, it's funny. We got in two our, Dans. In our office, we have four different Dan configurations. We, we have Danielle, we have Daniel, we have Danny, and we have Dan. And so, and there have been times when all of them will be yeah. there. And it's been on set like, with a client who's named Daniel. It's like, no, <laughs> five is too many. Five is too many, yes. So, yes, Daniel... Is me. Gebert. Yes. <laughs> He's been developing and doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So anything new, Andy? Uh, not so much new. I don't know. It's I bought a new tripod. I got a used Gitzo with you, us. You had a couple weird experiences oh, with tripods. Oh, yes. So I ordered a tripod or ordered. I got a tripod off of eBay, uh, a three-legged thing, and I was super stoked about it. I, I was kind of weird at first because the price seemed too good to be true. Mm -hmm. It never is, right? Yeah. It was too good to be true. <laughs> so when I got it, I was like, this looks great. And then I look closer and I'm like, this guy looks like he dragged 
it behind his car <laughs> the whole time, and it was full of sand. Just adds character. I was Isn't like, that what you want? Are you kidding me? And then I, I, so I reach out to the guys like, look, there's sand in all the joints. And she's like, oh, no, it must be like from the bag or something like that. So I had to go with this whole thing where I had to take out these pictures and send it to eBay. Long story short, eBay did see it in my favor to get the refund. And <coughs> this is going on four weeks now since this has been, since we figured this out he hasn't asked for the tripod back so it is sitting in my room still and he refunded the money refunded the money for it back yeah. and didn't ask for the tripod back so i actually i didn't i'm not trying to like you know scan the guy i actually reached out to ebay and said hey look i got this tripod still and they they're not even responding to me wow so probably just wants out of his i think he's just life. like i'm done with it yeah so and that's I unfortunate <laughs> So then you got the get so. Then I got the get so, and I was like, "Why did I waste my time? I should have just got this from the first, <laughs> yeah. from the first point on." Hey, yeah. it's a great tripod. Yeah, it's a great tripod. Got a good, great deal on it. And usually, usually those, <coughs> usually those legs are like a thousand bucks, and I got it for four ninety. Wow, for the legs, and I think it was four, yeah four ninety, and then I got a ball head for hundred bucks, all used, nice. out the door under six hundred dollars. That's a pretty light setup too. I mean, that's that's under travel. three pounds. That's wild. That's and awesome. it's a 22 pound load. So, yeah. yeah. Perfect for the Bronica. Perfect for the Bronica. Yeah. Brandon, what have you been up to? Um, had a good week or a good couple weeks in terms of picking up new stuff. Um, it doesn't always happen, but. Uh, no, with you, it always happens. Okay, fine. It always <laughs> happens. Picked up a uh, Minox B. Um, it's a little like spy camera from the, I don't know, I can't remember the era. Is it Soviet? No, it's German. Okay. Um, in fact, the the uh, owner's manual that came with it has no English in it whatsoever. <laughs> so I was like, all right, going to have to translate all of this. Um, it's it's fairly straightforward otherwise, though, so that's not too bad. But then I did pick up a Russian camera, the uh, Zenit E. Um, super cheap, and it came with a lens, and I was like, why not? Might yeah. as well jump into the world of uh, M42 mount and uh, yeah nice. yeah because you've been talking about the super Tacomars for forever yeah yeah I wanted to, I've wanted to pick up a set for a while haven't yet but uh, now I have a camera that they can mount on yeah unless there are any weird um, compatibility issues that I don't know about but I would imagine M42 is M42 yeah for the most part yeah anything new on your end Dan uh, always. Yeah. Yeah. In the world of cameras, always. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I gotta, I have to give a shout out to the super Takumar lens. Mm -hmm. The 55 1.8 is yes. a fantastic, it's a fantastic lens and it'll get a tick off the Geiger counter too. If you, yeah. Ever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you usually get a little tick off the Geiger That's counter. Amazing. Yeah. yeah they used, used to use lanthanum and thorium in mm -hmm. some of those glasses. And so they'll actually get, you know, there's a little radi radioactivity there. Okay. Nothing to be alarmed about, but if you, you know, you, you wouldn't <laughs> want to walk around with it in your front pocket for 20 years. It's like, you know? why is your eye? so large now yeah right exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's great knowing I've been watching the HBO series Chernobyl oh, um, right. so it's like it's all in the back of my mind all the, uh... Uh, yeah exactly yeah. Um, so they and they still use rare earth glass mm -hmm. but uh, like it does anyway but uh, um, not as much as they used to they have other other processes that they can use so let's see what, what did we get I just got a black enamel M3 which is a very collectible camera mm -hmm. Um, we're taking consignments for our rare camera auction. So we got a lot of neat stuff that's come in. Mm -hmm. A 90 millimeter ingenue lens. Um, we got some wartime cameras. Um, 
uh, an M2, what's known as a KS-15, which is a Vietnam-era, I think Korean War or Vietnam War-era um, M2 set that was made for the military. And you can't really tell that there's anything special about it unless hmm. you open it up. Hmm. You know the serial number range and stuff like hmm. that. Uh, let's see. I got a Leica 1 that was made in 1928, and I shot a roll of film through that. And because I don't – I'm going to make a confession. I don't really know anything about darkroom sciences. I know okay. so little. Um, I've sent the film out, and we'll see if it works. <coughs> the yeah. film will come back. I shot HP 400 because that's what I had on hand. And um, I, at least I know that I loaded the camera correctly. And that, there you go. Um, I was, you know, this is a camera without a rangefinder. It has just a viewfinder, and so you have to use a separate rangefinder, a separate exposure meter. It's a big production. Yeah. Hmm. And so shooting thirty six images out of that camera took me a little while. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we got that done. We're waiting for the film to come back, and hopefully nice. the shutter works. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. we'll find out. How I mean, old is the M one you said? Uh, nineteen twenty eight. So. 90, 91 years. Jeez Louise. Yeah, yeah. And it were I mean, we listen to the shutter and it sounds good, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they it can sound good and not be performing at exactly the right speed. Right. So gotcha. we filmed some cameras we film test and and some we when we send them out to have them serviced, the technician does all of that and and, nice. and tests everything. Who, out, who so. do you send your film out to? Um there's a few different places that I use. This I was at Central Camera last week, and sure. so I stopped in to say hi to Don Flash, who's one of the nicest guys on the planet. And so we schmoozed a little bit, and I brought some film. And typically, my black and white stuff, whether it's 120 or 35 millimeter, I really don't shoot a lot. But I use Print Lab. Hmm. Um, they're fantastic. The prints are astonishing. They can make just about any kind of print that you want, and they're fabulous. They're hmm. in um, Humboldt Park. Oh okay. really? Yeah, yeah so 12, pretty local. Okay. I want to say twelve forty North Homan, right by. I want to say North, it's like North and North and Homan. Hmm. Dang. Kimmel, what's yeah. their turnaround about? They're pretty quick. I mean, it's been typically a week or so. It depends okay. on their workload and what all they have, but they do all kinds of printing. So they'll print color or black and white, but they only develop black and white film. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So that's gotcha. who I usually use, just mm-hmm. because they're well. Until I moved recently, they were fairly close to me, and okay. I also really like the people there. So yeah, I like to. Um, I like to have uh, as much be local as yeah. I possibly yeah. can. There's, or, so, there's so much about like personal connections. Um, and when you're sending film off to a lab and you don't know anybody on the other end and you never hear anything yeah. from them, you just get your negatives back in your scans. It's, it can be a little bit like impersonal and it, it doesn't, yeah, there's, there's something. Yeah. And film is such a personal yeah. type of art. And tactile it, thing. It really yeah. is. Yeah. <clears throat> I pretty regularly go into, um, I talk to Print Lab or whomever and I pretty regularly say, I don't know what everybody else does, but I want my prints 10 by 15. I want them with a border and I want them printed on paper that's nice. larger than 10 by 15. I don't care what you do. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And they know exactly what I want. And they, because we've had this conversation before. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, eight by 12. Oh, I don't understand eight by 12. It doesn't work. <laughs> so I want exactly, you know, three huh. over two. So, well. I mean, eight, eight by 12, they print eight by 11. They print all kinds of different sizes. But I like 10 by 15, which is an oddball size. Yeah. yeah. But they're used to me by now, wandering in with 15 rolls of film for the last nine months or whatever it is. I really shoot primarily digitally now, so I don't okay. see Print Lab as okay. often as I would like. But sure. yeah. every time that I do, I spend about 45 minutes there, and I drop off on my film, and it's nice. a great experience. The, I love those The guys. magic border, huh? The, I the, like the border. I really I just do. had some prints come back with a border. I'm, actually, Daniel was 
Daniel Gabbert was the first person that showed me a border just on Lightroom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. can just like switch over to see. What, and it's like it, he's like, doesn't this make a, diff- a huge difference? I'm like it does. Yeah, it does absolutely. Mm-hmm. It pulls your eye right into it. It's, yeah doesn't get lost yeah. in everything. And especially if you have extraneous stuff that either you don't want to Photoshop out or, or, or cannot Photoshop out in the corners of your frames, I think having the border ties everything together a mm. lot better, especially yeah. when you have extraneous stuff in the frame. I totally agree. Yeah. I typically get borders on my four by sixes. I, I haven't so much with larger prints, but um, maybe I should. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. Call a, a print lab. Having a mat, a white mat around a photograph for some reason just for me, it makes me feel like this was an intentional thing. I like, agree. When, I don't know. It's, it, when I'm editing in Lightroom, I do a lot of editing, and I just do that little toggle to preview things with the white border. I'm like, that's a photograph, and then when I go back, it's just like part of you know, it's a picture. Part of every, everything else. <laughs> it's like part of a collage. Well, yeah, right. no. So, and I feel like it's the the difference too is that it feels like you had to make that effort to put it there, rather than a lot of the other times. You know, when people get prints from their photos, it's you know they're churning out hundreds of photographs or yeah. something, and it's there's no border on there by default, so you have to take that one extra. It's step. true. It is. Yeah. 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 Well, I do want to. You talked a little bit about um, the work that you're doing, but um, give us a little rundown on what Tamarkin Camera is. So, um, well, my last name is Tamarkin, and my father started the company in 1971, and he was buying and selling and trading. This is obviously before the internet. Um, everything was done with letters and handwritten letters and or typewritten letters, um, eyeball to eyeball and over the phone. And so he started buying and selling and trading. Um, he was having trouble finding other kinds of work for which he was trained. And so he realized with, uh, with me running around and another child on the way and more children imminent that probably would make a, be a good choice to get uh, a, good, a real job, so to speak. So anyway, the buying and selling and trading was going very well. And so he opened to Mark and Camera in 1971. And we got our Leica dealership in, I think, 84. Nice. Dang. And so, yeah, and so he made a name for himself as a square shooter. And, um, uh, and so we continue to do the same thing. So we're America's premier Leica specialist hmm. uh, since 1971. And so in, let's see, in 2010, my dad said to me, uh, all right, Danny, I got to fix for both of our problems. And I said, well, I just lost a, my job. What's your problem? He's like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go play golf and I want to travel with your mom. So you just make sure the checks land on my desk every month and we're going to be fine. Awesome. Uh, you do whatever you want, kiddo. I'm going to play golf. And so out the door he walked, and I'm very, very grateful um, uh, to my parents and to the world and to Leica and for everything uh, that's allowed me to do this thing that I love and mm-hmm. to love what I do. So I'm a very fortunate guy. In that yeah. regard. So what we do is we buy, sell, and trade Leica cameras, and we have used just about every piece of gear that's come to market from Leica since 1925. And for anything we haven't used, we're determined to make ourselves knowledgeable about it. Um, And so what that winds up looking like is lots of bins with parts and things that we don't, you don't really know how they fit together because a copy stand from 1932 probably wasn't relevant much later than that. So it can be difficult to piece some of this stuff together. It's a little bit, I like to describe it as saying it's a little bit antiques roadshow. <laughs> um, it's a little bit 
uh, pawn stars. <laughs> you know, okay. it's, okay. you know, yeah. it's yeah. buying and selling and trading. And yeah. very often what will happen is people have collections that they want to sell or they found a camera in their uncle's closet or whatever. And so um, a lot of what we do is secondhand business. So mm-hmm. we have cameras from oh, literally from 1925 up until present day. And we have mm-hmm. uh, used and we have some new Leica as well. Um, and so I go around to every camera store that I can. I always walk into camera stores. Okay. And just to see what's there. You never know what you can find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always shopping for mainly for Leicas, but we also do Rolacord and Rolaflex <laughs> and anything rare. And so we have a showroom in downtown Chicago with a little gallery called the Rangefinder Gallery. And we also do rare camera auctions once a year. And so right now we're gearing up for the rare camera auction. That is and pretty awesome. Gearing up, oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. And 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 what gearing up means collecting I'm looking at all the cameras on the table like kind of like drooling a little bit here <laughs> there, what we do is we get all of the collectible cameras that we possibly can mm-hmm. and we put them up for auction yeah. and it usually takes place in the beginning of November that's amazing wow. it's a lot of fun where's it going to be uh, we, I think that this year we'll hold it here in Chicago okay yeah I see no reason why not yeah. um, historically the company has been based in Connecticut where my family is from mm-hmm. um, I've been living in the city since 1990 and have a background in theater arts and in writing I got a degree in writing from UIC um, and here I am selling cameras but, it, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it just goes to show you never know where life's going to take it's you true. but um, so yeah we're gearing up for the rare camera auction which means we get try to get as much stuff as we possibly can and we do a big auction hopefully with lots of really rare and exciting stuff man that's exciting do you team up with anybody or is it just nope. to market it's just to market Yeah, we have partners around the world that are people that we buy and sell with Mm. and who will sometimes source things for us. So there are players in the marketplace that emerge time and time again. Some of them are buyers. Some of them are consigners. Uh, We know where a lot of these uh, a lot of these goodies are. Um, It's just a matter of bringing them to market. And so traveling. Uh, around and, and, and talking to people about their collections and letting them know that there is actually a market for rare and collectible Leica mm-hmm. um, and getting them to consign with us mm-hmm. and to use an auction uh, process is part of what we do. Yeah. And answering lots of questions. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm sure there are lots. There's lots of questions. And I think a lot of people don't understand, talking about the business too, how unique Tamarkin is yes. in, in terms of being a Leica dealer. You know, you can get like as a lot of places, but you yes. were talking earlier about some of the things that you've got that you're like, well, the only people that have this are us and the, like, factory, yeah, the factory. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are some, there's a museum, a couple of museums in Hong Kong. There's a museum at the Leica, at the what I call the mothership in Wetzlar, mm-hmm. Germany, which is just about an hour outside of Frankfurt. And they have a spectacular museum there, as you might imagine. Um, so, uh, I have a, a bunch of M3 cameras that were made in 1954, and they, because I'm a collector and a little bit of a nut, I have um, a, a numbers. As they began to number these cameras, they started at 700,000, and so I have 700,323, So it's very rare to see all of these cameras in one place. Number one, because they're all in one place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, most people who have this kind of stuff, they want to sell it right away. And while holding on to things for a long time is a little bit of a peril in business, um, 
it's pretty impressive to see 10 very early Leicas with something of a sequential serial number, yeah. <laughs> you know, and being able to look at what 1954 looked like in Wetzlar, yeah. Germany. They yeah. were busy little beavers over there. I mean, they made lots of these cameras. Um, and also rarities, like the very early camera I, I was talking about, the Leica 1 from 1928 and the um, black enamel Leica M3. These are very, very rare cameras. And you see them in the marketplace, but to be able to tell an authentic camera from, uh, how shall I say, non-authentic camera, sure. mm-hmm. uh, when you're talking about thousands of dollars, it becomes very important to people. And it's like, it's like collecting guitars or cars or watches or fountain pens or any of its all the same thing yeah mm-hmm. it's all the same thing yeah well i know andy you have a ton of questions that you've been just waiting to ask just dying I, to ask. i'm gonna let you jump in there uh so what's your favorite camera my favorite can well in the world of leica my favorite camera is the leica m2 okay far and away um I also like the Leica Standard, which is a very early camera. It was a, they're both inexpensive models. Leica made a model, and then they made a less expensive mm-hmm. model mm-hmm. Um, to kind of flesh out the market a little bit. Uh, but the M2 is an M-series camera that was made between... Now, this is really going to test the, my metal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I have the years right. 1959 to about 1968 or 69. They made a lot of these cameras. And the Leica M2 is a pared-down version of the M3. Hmm. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to make everybody's head spin for a minute. Yeah. Here's the order of the models. M3, M2, uh, M3, MP, M2, M1, M4, M5. M42, M4P, M6, M6TTL, M7, MP, MA. It is Why? a like mess them. of nomenclature. Why? I'm just glad and it's that very untitanic. I'm glad they're consistent. <laughs> right, exactly. It can be. It can really. It can be really daunting. And also, they changed. Leica also changed their nomenclature fairly recently with the digital cameras, and so mm-hmm. the market is a mess. With mm-hmm. the, I mean. <laughs> It's a strong market. It's a lot like it that makes great stuff, but the naming convention, it was really giving them a hard time for a long time. But I love the M2 because of its simplicity. And really, I fell in love with it because it was the only Leica I could afford okay. at the time. And mm-hmm. I remember going to my father's shop and I would stood at the case. I've been there a million times. It's my, you know, my dad's shop. So mm-hmm. I would go and visit him and take a look at all the cameras. And I remember I had a credit card. I'd just become a student. So I had a credit card. Right. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. And so I had this Visa card burning a hole in my pocket and I knew I wanted a Leica. So I, I, the only thing I could afford was the M2. And it looked like it had been rolled over by a tank, like all the leather covering had been flaked off. <laughs> now, mind you, even with the family and friends price, I could, this is all that I could afford. Wow. And I bought it for cost. It was $660. This is 1995. Oh my gosh. It was $660. So it was a $1,000 camera because mm-hmm. we buy it 66% mm-hmm. still after mm-hmm. all these years. Um, I couldn't afford a lens. <laughs> There's no question that there wasn't going to be any lens for me. So I might, you know, my dad lent me a lens for the for the weekend. Uh, I was living here in Chicago, so I was only visiting uh, my home and my family's home in Connecticut when I bought the camera. And he lent me a lens to shoot for the weekend, which I did earnestly. And I returned the lens to him, and then I had the camera for about a year before I wow. could afford a lens. I was saving, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would, you know, I would pick the camera up. And I would wind it, and I would clip. I would wind. I would put film in it. I would look through the rangefinder, but I didn't have a lens, so I played around with the camera endlessly until finally 
I, I was able to get a lens. So, and that's why the M2 is my favorite because mm-hmm. it was my first. Okay, I got a great follow-up question. All right, lay it on me. Do you have the camera still? I do, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I still have the camera, and I still have. All right. So what happened was, I I got hired to do a movie, a shoot for a movie, and it was uh, basically just a a bunch of short shots that we were going out to. Arizona to get in support of a theatrical production. So basically we were producing the background images that were going to be projected. Mm-hmm. It was all based around high noon. It was mm-hmm. that kind of Western thing. And so I got, I was very excited to be a part of this project and to be a still photographer, really my first professional job. And I called my dad and I said, dude, I have got to have a lens. I was like, can you lend me something? I just, in two weeks, I'll pay the shipping back and forth. He's like, oh yeah, yeah I got a couple of these 50 dual range lenses and uh, I'm just going to send it to you. I was like, okay, great. And this, so this is 95 when a 50 millimeter dual range or 96 when a 50 millimeter dual range lens that was made in the 60s contemporaneous with the M2 would sell for three or $400. Now they sell for a thousand. Hmm. Anyway, so I, you know, I tried to pay him, but I was very glad when he said that I could just have it because I was wow. poor. I mean, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't have a, a uh, I didn't have, uh, I couldn't swing a cat. I mean, I had nothing. So I had, I took this 50 millimeter lens out to Arizona and I shot, I don't know, 20 or 30 rolls. And I still have that lens. Nice. Dang. Yeah. I took him out to dinner a couple of times to try to pay for it. But he won- <laughs> And so I, when I was apprenticing with him between 2010 and 2012, I was looking through all of the stuff in his office, 40 years of doing business. And there was a box for a lens that was like mine. And I turned the box over and lo and behold, the serial number 222-8881. I was like, hey, that's my lens. Can I have the box, dad? He's like, oh, take it away. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. This is an empty box. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have not only the camera, but I have the, in, the whole lens set and the original box, oh, which I found some dozen years later. Wow. That's you know? incredible. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's wild that your dad hung on to it. Well, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> he did, I think, not from any sense of nostalgia, but more from one of these days, I'm going to go on eBay and sell all of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he is a, a, a wonderful, generous, warm, compassionate person, sentimentality is not one of the things that I think he's well known <laughs> for. So, um, uh, uh, so no, I think that he was just planning on selling those boxes. But there was so much stuff from 35 or so years of doing business that when I went to take over Apprentice with him, he, he wanted to know from me whether or not it was something that we could sell because I had m- more of a finger on the pulse of the marketplace than gotcha. he did. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> just by virtue of the fact that he was getting ready to retire and he was you know, getting tired of answering the phones. He wanted to go play golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. be with your mom. And, and hang out with mom, that's yeah. right. So he's shooting very well now and... He and my mom take road trips, which is great. And they, they were just here last week, actually. Oh, cool. It was really nice. Yeah. 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 So what would you say to a person that's going to walk in your shop and say, I want to get into the Leica lifestyle, but I am... Oh, the Leica lifestyle. The Leica, the Leica lifestyle. lifestyle. And I am a college student with this credit card burning a hole in my what are you going to say? Like, okay, I'm going to get you started. This is going to be something you're not going to regret. You're going to love it in 40 years from now. There's two different sets of advice. One would be the set of advice that comes from me at, with my experience, and the other is just what we do. Mm-hmm. What I would say to that person is, and this is the advice that we give to everybody, and it's from my experience and what we do. Buy the most recently manufactured lens that your budget will afford and put it on anything. Put it on a Fisher Price. Put it on a shoebox. Put it on a whole. It doesn't matter. Hello Kitty. It doesn't matter. 
optics make the image. And so if you want to start understanding what Leica is about, optics are really the place to start. Now, if what you love is the M, shooting with the M and the click of the shutter and that feel of that camera, then for some people, and I was one of them, starting out with the camera is more important because that was the thing, the object of art that I gravitated to. Mm -hmm. But I think your question probably has more to do with somebody who's actually shooting and more interested in actually using the camera. And I think that a lens is a really good place to start mm -hmm. because you have Sony products these days which do very well with Leica lenses. Mm -hmm. um, truth to tell you, with that credit card and a thousand bucks, I would go get a, uh, a, a Fuji. Yeah. Really? Uh, okay. uh, they're yeah. phenomenal cameras. The thing about the Leica, well, first of all, the Leica is the Leica. And mm -hmm. it just is what it is. And I'm really lucky to be selling this thing that kind of sells itself. So I really, you know, my <laughs> job is kind of easy. Um, the rangefinder, the Leica lifestyle, the Leica style, Leica style. Mm -hmm. um, is rangefinder photography. And mm -hmm. I think that that is the gateway drug, is mm -hmm. the rangefinder photography. Some people pick up a rangefinder and they're like, oh no, heck no, I'm not gonna yeah, use that. I had that experience, right? but until I tried out the Leica, Sure. And I saw the options where you can see the 90. Yeah, the little the frame, frame. Pre preview lever. And just yeah. the, it was a pleasure looking through it. So it was a little different. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, you'll have to look into one and tell me if you noticed that. Yeah, here. This is an M2. I'm handing Daniel an M2 with a 50 dual range, which is almost identical to oh, my yeah. original camera setup. I should really? tell you, I've been talking to these guys about looking at an M2 for weeks. Okay, so, so here's the other. True. So here, good. Well, feel free. So here's the other advice that I would give to people. So the, the young, the young person or person that has the credit card burning a hole in their pocket that wants to know how to get into Leica, from a photographic standpoint, optics make the image. From a Leica standpoint, nothing feels like a, like a rangefinder. So you got to get one of those in your hands. Mm -hmm. It depends on what direction they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Here's what I would do. And we've done this before and we continue to do this. In fact, I make it a point to do it at least once a year. A photographer comes into the gallery or into, into the showroom and gallery and says, I'm interested in Leica. What do you, what do you suggest? And I would ask them what they're, what they want to accomplish with the camera. Yeah. Why the Leica? And if they have an answer that's somewhat thoughtful, I would say, look, here's my M2. I have a bunch of M2s and 50 millimeter lenses for exactly this purpose. Let me take your ID. Let me take your credit card. I want to know where you live because I don't want you to run away with my camera. But why don't you take it for three, um, for three months and I'll, I'll get you film at cost from Ilford because we sell Ilford products. And um, three months later, you bring the camera back to me. And if it's something that you like, then you ought to start saving. And if it's something that you don't, then, well, that was fun, wasn't it? So wow. that, and that goes hand in hand. Nice. Well, it's the only way people are, people are get involved with a luxury brand like Leica. Mm -hmm. um, it, because it's, it can be daunting. You go into a gallery, you go into a bougie store and you know you don't want to touch anything you're afraid yeah, yeah. if you touch something heaven forbid you should knock it over you'll be in debt for the rest of your life well <laughs> the I just don't I don't believe it's a luxury brand and it's a fancy and special thing in a lot of ways to a lot of people mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the person waiting on you needs to be in a suit or that you can't touch yeah. anything or that everybody stands on ceremony I will literally take a camera out of the case stand on it to show people exactly how strong they are and then wipe it off hand it to them and say go out <laughs> and make pictures another attendant to this second piece of advice that I'm giving which is this offer to use a camera 
um, is we offer a show as well. So when somebody gets a camera in their hands and uses it for three months or whatever, they're typically offered a show for at least a little while in our gallery. And it's part of uh, from shutter to show program that we have where we give young artists a, like a camera and they can have as little or as much assistance as they want in curating and preparing and mounting the show. And what that means is that they could have all of our help or they could have none of our help. <laughs> and so we do at least one show, one exhibit a year in the gallery that is from shutter to show. Dan, wow. that has you written all over it, man. Daniel. Oh, he's got enough Daniel. cameras. Daniel, Daniel <laughs> Gebert, that has you written all over it. You could definitely borrow. Like, I mean, any of you guys can. The thing is, so we were going to be, I'm going to be inundated with calls. This this offer is for local photographers because we're <laughs> in Chicago yep. and we want to support local and upcoming photographers. And we also, uh, we want to support the um, awareness of the brand. And so this shutter to show thing is typically done with local photographers, but it's a pretty ordinary thing for to Markin um, and for old, quote unquote, old school Leica dealers, um, one of whom just sadly passed away, Ken Hansen, was, was very much a brother of ours mm. in Leicadom. And what we would do, Ken would do this, and my father would do this, and I'll do this, and we'll send somebody that we know, we have to know you, we'll send you a camera if you like it, send us a check, and if you don't, send it back. Hmm. People, no, people aren't going to scam me for a, a bought and rewind M2. They want a knock ten thousand dollar knock deluxe delivered to their uncle Louis in Des Moines overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what you know. People, people don't. Want, people, first of all, people don't know what this thing is. Yeah, you go shooting with one of these, and people say, "Oh, look at that guy using that crummy old camera. What a shame." Well, that that does bring up something because I want to talk a little bit about Leica as as a company and, and as yeah. so because a lot of people who have never used a Leica and never messed with a Leica, um, maybe they haven't come within 10 feet of a Leica. They'll say, well, I see the prices online and I see that, you know, I see the lens ratings and, you know, Leica doesn't always have the sharpest lens out there. They don't always have the highest, in, when we're talking digital, the highest megapixel sensor with right. the highest dynamic range. So why am I spending so much money for something that isn't, the top in specs. I mean, aren't specs everything, right? No. So, <laughs> so why then is is Leica? Why does it command that attention and that that devotion? Uh, that's a very good question. There, the Leica is about three things. It's about um, German engineering. There's about 1,500 moving parts in the film M2 camera here on the table, not mm -hmm. including the lens. It's about German engineering. It's about the world's finest optics. Uh, and they, they are, I'll go to the mats about that. Um, and I can talk more specifically about mm -hmm. that. Um, and also about why they design the way that they design. But the third thing, and this gets, I think, to what you're hinting at, where we're kind of dancing around here a little bit, is the emotion of the thing. And the, the owner of Leica, current owner of Leica is a, is a, a avid photographer. Um, and he echoes the same thing. It's about precision engineering, German precision engineering. Um, the best optics in the world and the emotion of the thing. Mm -hmm. And then attendant to that is a fourth kind of corollary, which is that there's a tremendous amount of history. So the people that brought to market 35 millimeter technology was Leica at the 1925 Leipzig Fair. Mm -hmm. And it was a European fair and they unveiled the Leica the Kleine film camera, the little film camera. Mm. And um, they started making it in 1926. And, well, they made a few in 25, and they started marketing them aggressively in 1926. And, uh, I mean, by 1928, Andre Cortez had one. 
um, I mean, all these wonderful photographers who mm -hmm. had been working with much larger cameras came to understand that the Leica is a tool. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I think that figures into why. So you say, okay, German engineering, think BMW versus say Acura. They're both awesome cars. You know, Acuras are great, but you get behind the wheel of a BMW. Oh, it's something totally different, mm -hmm. you know? And then it's the same thing. We watches and a lot of, a lot of really nice things can be this way. Like the engineering is just really fantastic. Mm -hmm. The optics are fantastic and it's a subjective thing. So you can look at an MTF graph and say, uh, you know, quite objectively, one lens is better than another, or one lens is going to perform more accurately than another. Mm -hmm. One might be aperchromatically corrected, or it might have this feature or that feature. Um, it is a subjective thing. Yeah. However, nothing is made like a Leica lens. I mean, that's <laughs> a. I mean, that's a heavy. It's brass. These things are really heavy. So it's all of these things come into why Leica. And mm -hmm. this is usually the part of the program where I get up and stand on a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can't they, see they, that. You can't, you can't see, see that here on the podcast. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> well, I, lo I love that you mentioned that the owner of Leica is a, an avid photographer because yeah, that's yeah. something that plays, it plays so much into this industry. I mean, when we look at all these different companies, you can tell where their passions lie. You know, granted, Canon, Nikon putting out great cameras. But you can tell there's a difference between a Leica camera and a Canon or a Nikon, and you can tell that it's there's a passion there. Um, they they aren't just after making the most money all the time. Sh certainly, you want to make money, but there there's there's a, a care that comes in the design and then just having a name for yourself in that. Um, and so many of these companies, I mean, we were talking a little while ago on one of the podcasts about, you know, Kodak and Fuji and, and how Fujifilm, um, one of the reasons that they survived um, and kind of uh, didn't have to go, didn't go bankrupt in the same way that Kodak did was because they diversified so much. But now film photography is kind of dying out on their portfolio because it's such a small portion and they're not yes. passionate about film photography yeah. anymore. Yeah, I so. think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, I think that there's, it, it's a business decision whether or not to do film photography. Mm -hmm. With Leica, it's not a business decision. Um, Leica has uh, people who know the brand and have had some experience in the brand can point to a number of different products that they've released that have been, how shall I say, lackluster in the marketplace. Um, however, Leica understands that what they do is singular. Um, it also happens to be the best, although again, that's very subjective. I mean, I'm not such a great photographer. I bet you can rock that Fuji. It's mm -hmm. the tool. Mm -hmm. It's a tool, not a toy. So, well, I mean, it could be a toy too if you got lots of dough. But <laughs> it's it's a tool, not a toy. So, I think that that the the ability that like it gives you to function very quietly, very discreetly, mm -hmm. and be mobile and have very very high quality images from a very small um, a very small negative or a full frame sensor means that people are really going to use it the way that it was meant to be used, whether it's digital or film. And there's interest there, mm -hmm. even though it's not, the market is not like it used to be. There is still interest there and it's going to be there for a while. It's so much a part of like his history that they're, they're going to be the last people to make a film camera. I bet yeah. Yeah. of the I old film that. camera makers. Sure. And so the, with the, you know, the, the um, film cameras, you have to open up the bottom 
plate of the camera to load the film up into the bottom of the camera as opposed to a uh, SLR where the back door swings open, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so when the digital Leicas, when they made the digital Leicas, they said, well, where are we going to put the card? Where are we going to put the battery? <laughs> well, <laughs> the bottom plate removes for the battery That's and the card, cool. right? So they, they are going to keep, Leica is going to keep making film cameras and the M camera uh, uh, until the end days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just cannot see... It's such a part of their history. Well, and what do they currently make film camera-wise? Because they, didn't they just recently, or within the last year and a half or so, uh, discontinue, what was it, the M7? The M7, yes. right. The M7 is the only camera that they made that had an elect or the only film camera that they made with an electronically controlled shutter. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was waning in popularity because people want the old school cameras that don't have yep. electronic shutters and don't rely on batteries. And so currently... Leica makes two film camera models. The MP, which some people st say stands for Mechanical Perfection. I think it just stands for MP. <laughs> and I mean, who knows what the nomenclature is? I really, uh, there's all kinds of stories. Mm. And they make the MA, which is in essence an M2. Mm -hmm. There's okay. no, virtually no difference. So this is a, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what the price is, but it's on the order of $4,800 for a film camera body without a meter or any electronics in it. What that's the MA. MA. So that's a basically a brand new. Brand new M2 is okay. in essence what it is. It has a better it is range a, finder, but mm -hmm. it's in essence an M2. And the MP is almost identical. Um, except that it has an exposure meter in it. And they're both very costly film cameras. Mm -hmm. um, they'll most likely discontinue the MA and then the MP, I think they'll make in perpetuity. I can't imagine them discontinuing that. Yeah. So what did you, you brought some, you have three cameras on the table here. And was there a reason? Well, it's a, a little of everything. So sure, okay. I figure since audio is um, the thing that we can hear the shutters and I just, mm. it's nice also just to have the cameras. There's a bunch of cameras on the table. Do we have three, six, nine, we have like 10 cameras on the table. Here. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. I love, yeah. I'm a, a real camera nerd. So I brought, I brought the M2 with the 50 millimeter lens, um, which is actually an identical set. Uh, to my first set wow. I brought a model three um, this is from the early 30s with a 50 millimeter lens you can bring that up to the microphone please. I can all right so all right so here we do three and then I brought a digital camera so okay all right so and all of these have lenses on them so they're all they're all in the in the space where, in, in the kind of setting where they would be used and so I'm gonna put everything on a 30th of a second we'll see what happens so this is the Leica 3 from the 1930s. This is the Leica M2. This one I'll wind first. Well, actually, that's winding. And that's the shutter. <laughs> really quiet. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And without the lens, you hear a little better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a real sexy sound. Once it you really once is. you <laughs> when you feel the M camera shutter, I mean that's it. There's lots of people who are like, oh, I'm done. Yep. I'll have to have an MP, thank you. <laughs> and so that's the screw mount Leica camera, the early Leica cameras, which some people call Barnax after the inventor of the Leica. The M2, we just heard click a couple of times. And this is the latest M10P. You feel it more than you hear it. Okay. I mean, it's even quieter than the film. This It's yeah. insane. So now without the lens, you can actually hear the shutter a little bit. 
Okay. That's without the lens. Wow. Yeah. There's and a when, lot of dampening going on. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, yeah. really When you have really a lens quiet. that weighs 30 pounds. You know, <laughs> <Right. it's, laughs> yeah, no, the lenses are made of all, they're brass on the interior, and um, some of them are full brass, but some of them are, like this one is magnesium alloy. Okay. Um, space age metals and plastics mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you're, uh, at the show you mentioned a lens, you brought a lens, you said this is similar to something that they would use on, uh, in like in space or something like along those lines. You said something like this would be, NASA uses this or Oh something. yeah, that, well there, we, one of the things, I think I brought this to the show, I don't remember if I you had, had this or not. You had it in the cloth and everything and you're like the you points, pull, the F.76 pulled, or whatever. A oh, lens out. Yeah, that there's one? a 65 millimeter F point. It's point seven five. Yeah, it's picker X-ray lens. It's gigantic. Okay. Yeah, I think that was that for probably the one. No, this is for. It can be adapted though. Oh. I mean, it won't it won't track in the rangefinder? Remember, this is <laughs> a fixed like focus. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's the size plate. of a big coffee can. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. We have a 90 millimeter F one and a 65.75. Wow. Um, I'm pretty sure those were the ones that you're remembering. And yeah, they're insanely fast. And they need to be, they need to have an adapter machine to them. So you, you could put those on any uh, mirrorless camera. I mean, the guy I bought them from had, a, had them on a Sony. Hmm. It dwarfed the Sony, but they had it on the Sony. It makes beautiful images. <laughs> Is that 65 mil the one? So there's a story about Stanley Kubrick talking to NASA about a lens that he could yeah, that shoot was, for, for a very, I don't know, one, one of his movies. Yeah. And all during, like only candlelight. Yeah, and I think they only had 500 ASA film or 250 ASA film at the time. So yeah, that sounds about right. They needed like he yeah so he, he wanted a very fast that. lens. He was also very interested in optics in general. But so my understanding um, is that he talked to Zeiss about having this lens made, mm. which is another German lens maker. Mm-hmm. Um, they did more custom stuff on one-offs than Leica did. Leica did stuff for military, but they didn't really do a lot of one-off stuff like this. And so Zeiss made, I think it was a 50 millimeter .75 or something. That's Dang. an insanely fast lens. Yeah. Maybe it was an F1. I don't remember the details, but it was a very, very, very fast lens. And there were only four or five copies made, two of which were delivered to Kubrick. One is at Zeiss and the other two, I don't, or uh, one or two, however many were made are probably fo- floating around out there somewhere. Dang. Some and private collection or something. Well, like hopefully that. they're in somebody's closet in yeah. Des Moines and they give us a call and we <laughs> yeah. put them in an auction. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, but you, you, know, you never know. We, yeah. there has to, we have found stuff that's come out of closets, but things like that are fascinating to me. They're, it's rare that an individual can have that kind of pull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it's not rare that the individual has that kind of money, but that kind of pull <laughs> that they can get a company like that to, you know, tool up for what's essentially a, a, a five or six piece production run. Yeah. yeah. It's insanely expensive. Yeah. Hmm. And so Leica would make stuff for x-ray machines, which is what these, which is what that lens is. Okay. Which is what that lens is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you, you said going in for the rangefinder aesthetic and you recommended a Fuji. And I have an X100 sitting here on the table. Oh, it's it such was, a great camera. I pretty much shot exclusively with this camera for about a year after I got it. And this is the X100T, so it's 16 megapixels. Uh-huh. It's, um, I, I love For this heaven's camera. sake, what else do you need? I 16 can, megapixels? Yeah, no, it's plenty. Great. Plenty. So, I mean, yeah, take a take It's a got look a nice patina it. on it, man. Yeah, it's definitely seen some uh, some stuff. Yeah. And you I think, it. yeah, I've used Yeah, you actually mm-hmm. shot with yeah. the thing. Here, it for bed. Here is my, here is my total first impression of what, what Fuji did with that camera. So 
I just held a Leica for the first time in my entire life for them too. Okay. That was, it. That was it right there. That's awesome. I'm, and thr- I'm thrilled to be the one that put it in your hands. I, I pressed the shutter like th- twice or three times and you know that uh, every, just feeling it, looking through the, the rangefinder, like you said, all of that suffice to say, I think Fuji looked at what people like about the Leica. I mean, it's no surprise. They wanted it to be similar to a Leica, the, no the X-Pro2 and the X100. But what they got was um, similar to say, like what Acura does when they're looking at a BMW, right? They got <laughs> I think you're all exactly the bullet right. points and none of the like the the, Charm. the personality charm. Yeah. That's a good, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, again, I, I love this camera, and I think um, every time I think about like, oh, I, it'd be really cool to pick up an M9 and like a 35 mil. But that's what that's basically what this is. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, and I already own it, and if I if it dropped off. Of a, of a bridge tomorrow, I wouldn't be heartbroken about it because it's only worth 500 bucks or whatever. Right. You know? So, um, so that's, I mean, that's that, but having this camera and always kind of aspiring for the Leica, having owned Leicas for a long time, do you ever feel like, man, I wish there was just something else? Like, is there anything above a Leica in your mind? He did it, Dan. He, wow. That's he, yeah. He did it. I, he did it. Wow. I did I, what? What did I do? I you stumped the chump. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, you know, the, there's the there's the answer. Just because it's trite doesn't make it any less true. The best camera in the world is the camera that you have with you. Yeah. And I've told people this before. I don't care if it's a Holga, Fisher Price, Hello Kitty. Get out there and make pictures. That's what it's all about. Let me deflect the question by saying, <laughs> let me deflect the question by saying, I think that Fuji got really got it right with yeah. this X series with yeah. all of their cameras ever since that. Is that the first one? This was the third one. The third one, okay, but not the most recent. Okay, so I don't know all of the. I just know that they did a great job, yeah. and I think you're right. I think that they looked at the bullet points of what people love about Leica, and they did that, and they did it effectively. And not only that, they actually have a little bit of a cult following, not it's just true. a little bit of a cult. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a serious following. They're doing great in the amount of time that they put these cameras out, which is maybe what, 10 years they've been around, something like that, 11 years, something like that. They have do tremendous sales. People mm-hmm. love these cameras. I recommend them highly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't have all these beautiful things to play with and, and, and it wasn't my work, that's what I would own. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. Um, so I think that they've really, they've really done it right. The thing that I would like to see Leica do with their M-series cameras, and I doubt that they're going to do it just because of the way that the M-series is made. It's not a marketing thing. It's just you can't make it for less, is I would really like it if they made a digital M camera that was not so expensive and that people could say, oh, I can afford that, rather than waiting for the secondhand model. Right. Mm-hmm. Because time goes by and other things come up and people go into shops and they say, well, forget the Leica thing. I'm going to get a Fuji because I can use it today. Yeah. I'm yeah. tired of saving. And so I would like to see that. But I also am hoping that the Leica execs are not listening too closely to me <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, is Leica is offering many more cameras that they ever did in the past mm-hmm. and at a bunch of different price points and in different styles with mm. electronic viewfinders without, but the, nothing is ever gonna come close to the M. Right. And the M is going to stay r- where it is, I think for a long time, just yeah. because of its historic mm-hmm. and object to art value. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the Q might be the closest to what you were saying. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's cheaper, not yeah. cheap, but cheaper. In the and, world of Leica, it's a great value. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 28 millimeter F1.4 lens Oh, it's 1.4? It's 1.7, but 
that's splitting hairs. Yeah, oh, I thought it was like a 2.8 or something. No, 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 it's 28.1.7. The 28.1.4 M lens, I'm glad we're all seated for this, is mm-hmm. 64.95. Mm-hmm. That's the lens. Oh my and so, uh, you, you know, you don't have a body to put it on. So it's it, it, uh, like a Q camera when they were new, so I think 42.50, which is a pretty big price for a point and shoot camera. Yeah. But in the land of Leica, it's 24 megapixel sensor, 28 1.7 lens. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get better than that yeah. in the world of Leica. Yeah. Wow. And the Q2 is what, like 47 megapixels or something? It's, it's 43.7. Yeah. Or five, I don't, okay, it's so high, I can, I've lost track. Yeah. yeah. Beyond what you need. Uh, it's, it is, yeah. The reason that they've done that primarily, I think, is because people want a, an M-like camera that has not a zoom, because Leica wouldn't put a zoom on it mm-hmm. on the camera, but they would... People want to crop, and yeah, people sure. want to be able to use thirty-five, fifty, and seventy-five, and yeah. so they made higher megapixels so that people can actually crop. It's yeah. a that's a brilliant thing. I mean, it is. Just when people were talking about that when that cam- camera was announced, I'm like, dang, that's a good idea. Like, yeah. I, yeah, that's the Q is amazingly successful, and the yeah. the two is back ordered to high heaven. We have oh a hundred cameras on order, fifty people on the list because hmm. we know it's going to grow. It grows every day. Yeah. But let, see, Leica never shares delivery information with anybody ever, not even their biggest dealers. Hmm. And we sell more Leica than anyone else in the world per square foot. Wow. So I'm not counting my office or the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they don't share delivery information with anybody. They make what they make when they make it, and they make the best. And uh, you might like to own one one day. That's kind of their attitude. I think Which, that's how it should be. It's, yeah, it's, it's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the most direct... I'm a, car not car enthusiast the most direct comparison that i can make to leica m is the porsche 911 yeah because if you look yesterday yeah Yeah. if you look at and it it goes all the way back to it's german it's a beautiful piece of engineering people want it just for the engineering they've made it pretty much the same yeah throughout all these years and when you look back even like the the minuscule history of like the m2 which was the more cash-friendly version of the M3 in right. a lot of ways. They made the 912 instead of the 911, which was a yep. l- smaller engine and it, like all these things. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's expensive German things in my life that I, that I want. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's a through line. It's also, it's a, it's a uh, Leica and Porsche really share this kind of um, penchant for nomenclature and for not, and for, you know, <laughs> yes. for confusing nomenclature yeah. and for not deviating from the thing. I mean, is it a 72 911 that's like the holy grail? I mean, I know that that's the 911, they just haven't messed with it. And yeah. it's the same thing with the Leica M. Yeah. About six or seven years ago, there was a marketing campaign for the X camera that Leica was making and they called it a mini M. Ooh, that did not go well. <laughs> uh, you know, people, heads rolled. No, you cannot mess with the M. M died in the wool M people like me. We went berserk. Wow. We were like a mini M. Oh my goodness, what's that going to be? We got so excited. What's it going to be? Mm-hmm. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? And it turned out to be a point and shoot camera that was had a really slow zoom lens. It was a great camera called the yeah. X-Vario, but it was bad marketing just because you can't mess with the M. Yeah. You know, it would be like Fender making a, <laughs> you know, making a Stratocaster that's, just a little bit different. Like it's got, I don't know. It's they might have done. They don't, don't <laughs> or they might with a Les Paul or any of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm a Les Paul guy. You're a Les Paul that, guy. That's why it's the first thing I think of is when I think of a Leica and the guitars. It's just like there are so many great guitars out there. Yeah. That have better, you know, higher end pickups. Yep. Uh, you know, the neck profile on there is just more 
a tune for every player now. Right. But people go back to that big 50s fat 50s neck or, yep. you know, and the, or they want that 60s neck. You know what I mean? It's just that's right. They don't touch it. That's, that's right. And the, the reissues are what are the most expensive guitars oh, of yeah. Gibsons. Yeah. So. And you can tell a Gibson kind of like a Leica M3 um, uh, or any of the Leica M cameras. You can tell a Leica by looking at it, just like you can a Les Paul or a, a Stratocaster. Really a great, probably the best example is a Telecaster because mm-hmm. nobody made anything that really looks like that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as widely copied as the others. Um, but yeah, it's the same. It's the same kind of thing, and it's the same kind of collector mentality that you know drives people yeah. mm-hmm. to Leica. And there's two big camps in the world of Leica, as I see them. There's collectors and there's users, mm-hmm. and it's a continuum, really. I mean, because I'm both. I mean, I'm a collector and I actually shoot with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's um, there are some demarcations I think to be made. I mean, I have people coming in who have absolutely no desire to shoot any of them. They just want to collect. And I have other people on the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm. And so mm-hmm. there's a mixture in there. So I find it particularly fascinating, um, like cars and guitars and watches and fountain pens, that there's some of that history and there's all this deviation <laughs> in different yeah, models. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, so I, I do have another question in terms of uh, the digital side of things yeah. with Leica. So we've talked a lot about how <clears throat> with Leica cameras, I mean, a lot of people, they pick them up, they hold on to them forever. I mean, you've got the first Leica that you ever purchased. How do, how do you think digital fits into that? Because digital, I think, as a whole, not, not necessarily specifically with Leica, but as a whole, we have more of a throwaway culture yes. when it comes to digital. Um, you know, the newest camera comes out, it's got more dynamic range, a higher megapixel count, something along those lines. It's a little faster autofocus. And so then last year's model is trash. You know, right. That's, that's how it always works, right? The new one comes out and suddenly the old one doesn't work anymore. Um, <laughs> so how does Leica fit into that, making digital cameras? Because they're still incredibly expensive. So do you think people will hold on to them long term? Yes, I do think that they will. And there's also a little bit, well, there's a little bit of the collector versus user thing going on there where some mm-hmm. people, God bless them, if they got the money, they just buy it and hold it. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, Leica knows well that the digital camera bodies are going to get outmoded more quickly than the lenses. And so this kind of goes back, Mm. Andy, to your question earlier about what advice would I give? Optics make the image. Get a Leica lens and put it on a shoebox. It doesn't matter what you put it on. So to that, you know, in that case, you get... I would, I mean, I would get an M8 or an M9 or something that was really inexpensive that would let me use my Leica optics because mm-hmm. that's really the end. What's going to, what is the end game is getting that Leica image. Um, I think that there is going to be something, I don't think it's going to happen in 10 years, but maybe in 15 years where people are going to look at SD cards and go, anybody got something that can read this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how much stuff do we have that can actually read a floppy? You know? That's true. Yeah, or I mean, even a VCR. Or you have a VCR, <laughs> you know? I mean, I was actually, I, I, I actually saw one of the uh, Quick Quick Take 100 cameras. You remember those from Apple? Yeah, yeah. And it was like this what? little slab thing, and it was, get ready for this, one megapixel. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, and it has, and I have a little video on my phone, and it has, you know, the little... You know whoever designed that thing that makes you wait when the computer's loading, like the little wheel oh, that keeps yeah. going? And, I mean, who knows how fast it goes? So whoever designed that, I mean, it's just something for you to look at, right? So they took a picture with the quick take, and the thing is like processing, 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 processing. So one day, this M, this $8,000 M camera is going to have that same problem mm-hmm. that this $1,300 M 
two camera from 1964 is never going to have. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always going to be able to fix this camera. But the digital one, who knows? I mean, you know, the sensors are good. The batteries will stop holding a charge. The media will stop. They'll stop making that media. Everything will be wireless. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? It's amazing what they've done in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit hard to say what they will do other than Leica recognizes this caveat of the system, which is why cameras, M cameras in particular, have a much longer lifespan than typical Canon or Nikon Mm -hmm. or even Fuji Mm -hmm. products where Leica products will have a three-year lifespan, um, whereas a lot of other cameras, every year they come out with a new model because people want more megapixels. And the only reason the Q2 has 40-something, whatever it is, is because of the crop feature. Leica Mm -hmm. has already come out and said, quite rightly, I think, 24 megapixels is all you need for full frame. It's true. You know? So, and uh, I, what I usually say is, well, what are you going to, you know, you want a 36 or a 50 megapixel, what are you going to do with the other 20 or 30 megapixels, tough guy? I mean, how big are you going to print? And if you're really going to print that big, don't you think you ought to have like a Bronica or a Hasselblad or a medium format mm-hmm. yeah. or Mamiya? That's a great camera. You can make prints like the the size of a barn with that so I think it uh, you know it's a tool not a toy is where is my basis yeah. for that so mm-hmm. I would say you know people people ask how big can I print oh I don't know how how much light do you have because the lower the ISO value is the more it's going to hang together better for a print um, and it has not a, it's not a function of money mm-hmm it's really not. Yeah. It's a function of dialing in the system well enough to get the most that you possibly can out of it. Yep. And for the 24 by 36 millimeter sensor, Leica has said 24 megapixels is all you need if you're using this glass. Eventually, I think that'll change and there'll be more megapixels because that's what the market wants. But how much smaller and quieter are they going to make the thing? <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, I, you know, again, stump the chump. I really don't know what they're going to do next. Yeah. Even if I did, I would probably be forbidden from saying, but um, <laughs> I would be dropping hints wildly but I know honestly I really don't and I tell my customers the same thing I'm like you know just because the camera that you buy today uh, uh, has a new model come out in 18 months doesn't make the camera that you buy today any less right of a great camera right you know get out and shoot yeah so what is your daily driver camera it's the one that that you have on you all the time or ones oh boy Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Well, so you can see we, we usually don't have one camera. <laughs> yeah, ourselves. yeah. There's like, we got a Pentax, Fuji, Mamiya, bra- two Bronicas, yeah. a Kodak Retina, a Retina. Yeah, it's the Retina. 3C, mm-hmm. yep. a couple Leicas, an F3. The F3 yeah, is my daily. Yeah, we got some cameras here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going to make me answer this question. What lens is that? Uh, it's the 8514. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, my oh. EDC... Look at that glass. Holy smokes. My EDC is an iPhone. Okay. I'm telling you, it's. I have it with me all the time. Mm-hmm. I take lots of pictures. I'm almost always dissatisfied with them, but I have <laughs> them all the time. Uh, that really, that's the camera. Like um, today, be, in part because I work with cameras, I don't carry them as often as I want to, hmm. as I might want to, because... Um, I gotta get a break from work, but really, it's the um, it's the M monochrome. I, I get what you're asking, Daniel, yeah. and it's the M monochrome. Okay, there's no question. Black and white is the way I see things. Yeah. Um, also, being a kind of generally opinionated person, it's also probably the way I come off in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, uh, I really like black and white photography. It's what I began with. It's how I see things. It's how I compose. Um, the Leica monochrome. Leave it to Leica to make a digital camera that's 8,500 bucks and doesn't take colored pictures. <laughs> but you can shoot in candlelight. So I can regularly use five or 6,000 ISO 
which you Holy know, cow. yeah, and it hangs together great. It looks like it looks like Trix. I mean, five thousand ASA, five thousand ISO. That's no joke. I mean, it's pretty grainy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get the picture, and it yeah. hangs together very nicely. The noise, quote unquote, noise in the monochrome sensor is modeled after Trix. Mm. And so they said, well, that's not, that's not, don't fix it if it ain't broke. Yeah. yeah. And so the monochrome, monochrome and a 35 F1.4. Yep. Because if I carry a 50, I won't get as close as I ought to. Hmm. And I, I'm very shy when I have the camera, uh, which I'm typically not. You could probably tell. I, because I, 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 I sometimes feel like I'm not really supposed to be, I feel like I'm taking something that doesn't really belong to me if I'm making pictures without having a rapport with my sure, subject. Sure, yeah. And I feel so the same way. I'm, yeah. I'm really shy that way, whereas I'm totally not in a lot of other ways, a pretty boisterous guy. But um, uh, the, like a monochrome, the 35 1.4. And if I know that I'm going to be in tight quarters uh, out of doors, that is to say, photographing outside, um, but uh, but need compression, I'll take a 50, hmm. um, if that makes any sense. I, yeah. I, yeah. I really like 50 millimeters is really how I see the world, but I, I work with 35 more often, and that would be my one, my one lens. If I were going to carry just one lens yeah. with the camera, it would be 35 because it takes me out of my comfort zone. It forces me to get closer. Hmm. I, think that, I think Brandon and I share that. Uh, I love 35 millimeters. I have a 50 on my Pentax right now, but hmm. that's going to be the next thing I pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, partially because I've been shooting with the Fuji for a year and that's the equivalent kind of focal length. Sure. So you get used to something for that long and then it's, yeah, it's kind of ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a friend and, and mentor tell me, um, he gave me some really good advice. One of the things he said is, take pic- don't take pictures of children, take pictures of childhood. Mm. Don't take oh. pictures of mothers, take pictures of motherhood. And I thought that was just tremendous yeah, advice. Yeah, that's great. And he also told me to carry a camera wherever I go. It's like, yeah, 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 Greg, I know about that. <laughs> and uh, what else? He tell you, you know, and, and, he, and, and one of the things he said to me is that you can't, you, 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 don't, you see things differently when you have the camera with you. You absolutely have to have a camera with you mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And don't be afraid to shoot. Not everything is going to be perfectly sharp. Not everything is going to be perfectly composed. But the cam, the, the picture that you didn't get with your camera, you're always going to remember that frame. Yeah. You'll always, I mean, I can picture in my mind's eye three or four shots that I wish I had taken. I'd have no excuse for not doing it, you mm. know. And he, you know, pointing your camera at people and being brave about it—it's not so such an easy thing. But yeah. yeah, I found that I'm actually more brave when I have this, the Mamiya, with me. Why because is that? Oftentimes, it'll get enough attention where they're like, "Oh, that's a cool camera." Yeah, and then I'll, yeah. And that conversation's already started for me. Yeah. And also, I have um, a little bit of like anxiety about the digital aspect of it. Mm-hmm. When I am taking photos, street photos, or if I ask for a street portrait or something with digital. Oftentimes, my mind goes to like, oh, they're gonna wonder what I'm gonna do with this photograph. Mm-hmm. And with yep. film, I can say it's film. People I'm calm gonna develop down. it and yeah. print it, and like <laughs> that's it's that's it. I'm not doing anything with it. Yeah. So it yeah. The, the conversation has begun, and yeah. people are. It's really obvious what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the Bronica or the, I mean, Bronica or the Mamiya. It's all it's all that. 
Yeah, like I mean, it's a big degree. piece of camera to be pointing at somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You take pictures with an iPhone or we take pictures with a digital camera and people think that you're you know, going to tweet them out to the world because you right. just tucked your, yep. un- <laughs> your, your shirt into your underwear or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it really changes the conversation. That's a really astute thing and, and, and you said it very well. It changes the conversation. Yeah. It's a really important thing. Um, I, I don't usually point... <laughs> I don't usually get close to people, uh, but my friend Greg would he would push me closer yeah, to sure. people, yeah. you know, and I would take pictures. And I so I got I moved from fifty to thirty five. Hmm. Um, he sent somebody into the store one day. I'll tell you the story real quick. He <laughs> sent somebody into the store one day. This guy he was real tall. This fellow was six six five or six six. A big guy, and he had an M nine and he wanted a lens. And he said uh, so. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I came in for a lens. I got this M9 camera, which is a digital, like a digital rangefinder, full frame camera. And he said, I want a lens. Uh, I don't know what, I, what should I get, a 35 or a 50? And I said, well, I think that the, you know, the best all around, I'm a 50 guy. Like, mm-hmm. I like 50. For me, if I didn't have a 50, I would feel kind of lost. Mm-hmm. However, you know, 35 is a really good walking around lens. It's, you know, it, everybody's different. He goes, well, I'm friends with this famous photographer guy. I'm going to give him a call. And I said, okay, what do I care? Okay, sure. Give him a call, see what he says. And so he gets the guy on the phone. He's on speakerphone. He gets the guy on the phone, and he says, uh, I'm here at Tamarkin, and I want to buy a lens. And uh, uh, it's, you, know, you tell me 35, and he's saying 50. What do I do? And this pretty well-known photographer says, ask him how many books he's had published. Oh, Which oh I, my gosh. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Now, of course, this guy on the other end, he doesn't know me from Adam, and he's like mortified. I mean, he knows who I am, but he's <laughs> never met me. Mm-hmm. He was mortified. I start laughing. Of course, he relaxed a little bit. Anyway, the guy ended up buying a 50. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, okay, it, it goes on. So, my friend is doing a book signing here in Chicago. And so I obtain a copy of, oh, and I meet him eyeball to eyeball about six months after this event. And I said, hey, 35 or 50, huh? And he thought that was funny. And so, and we became fast friends. And we're, awesome. we're, we're, he's a really great guy. And so trying to get him to come in and do a show. Um, but anyway, so he had a book signing a couple of months later. And I got a copy of, off of eBay, I think, got a copy of this book called Choosing and Using Leica Lenses. And it's like an instructional thing hmm. that's so you can help you pick lenses. And so he's signing books and he's not really even lifting up his face from, he's got his pen in his hand and I just slide this book right in front of him. <laughs> and he looks, he's Tamarkin. <laughs> and he looks up. He knew. Yeah, he knew it was me. <laughs> and so he signed the book for me with some expletives. <laughs> and, I signed, and then I, of course, I had a copy for him. I signed him a copy, which you know, he did not think was very funny, <laughs> but I think is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, and great. so now you can actually read a little synopsis of this story on my website um, where we talk about choosing and using Leica lenses. And to this day, I will call him up and and, and say, what, what are you shooting, 50 or 35? <laughs> That's cool, man. Will you quit, lose this number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned Zeiss earlier, another great German optics company. What, what, how would you compare the two, Leica and Zeiss? <laughs> I know that's see a, this is this, this is huge... the part this is the part where I usually make some kind of wisecracker joke, but I don't have a joke ready. Zeiss lenses are fantastic. Leica and Zeiss are the two venerable German-made. Mm-hmm. Uh, optic companies and they've both done microscopes and they've done biosystems and mm-hmm. all kinds of different stuff. 
they're made to different standards and but they're fantastic lenses so again Andy back kind of back to your earlier question about what would you advice would you give well I mean if you really love the Leica rangefinder and you know you want that box but you can't afford the Leica lens Zeiss no question it's fantastic <laughs> I think that the difference between Leica and Zeiss and the same is true of Voigtlander as well that these Japanese made or or Japanese, sometimes Japanese made and and non Leica designed optics have exaggerated reds and blues that never really look quite right to me. Hmm. Interesting. I maybe am a little biased because I'm so used to looking at Leica photographs, but I think Zeiss are fabulous lenses. They're very high contrast. They're very. Um, they're not prone to flare or coma. And they're fantastic optics. I like Leica better because I don't like the exaggerated reds. I also think that the Leica optics are manufactured to a higher standard, hmm. and that really is the difference in the price point, I think. But I would mm -hmm. have no hesitation about shooting Zeiss optics. Gotcha. Voigtlander are also very good, but they're too low contrast for me. I just I mm. can't get on board with Voigtlander. Gotcha. Um, Although I have a Voigtlander 15 millimeter lens, which is oh a lot gosh. of fun. Yeah, hmm. I just walk through crowds like bloop 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 bloop. Yeah, bloop cool. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to keep your knuckles and toes out of the frame. You don't have to focus; <laughs> yeah. you just shoot. You know, That's it's amazing. great. It's yeah. a lot of fun. I love. So I, I can't say enough good things about Voigtlander and Zeiss. I think that they're fantastic lenses. Yeah, yeah. and they're yeah. a great alternative to Leica. I was just curious because we have we're actually very blessed at work to have um, the, the company that all three of us actually work for. Uh, the owner is very into tech, um, but not in a in a bad way. Like he's not he he's always looking for um, the next way for us to up our game. Yeah, and lenses have been a big thing for the past few years. So we've got uh, the Ultra Primes um, from Zeiss for mm. for video. Um, we have and we're, we just picked up recently a Cook. Um, oh, so yeah. we're starting to get into that game as well. But I've always been looking at the the Leicas, um, mm -hmm. the the PL mount Leicas, just because. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's a little bit different than the M glass, but those the, lenses are insane. In the cinema world, I, I every time I look at like what's the best thing out there for mm -hmm. cinema glass, it's always the Cook and the Sumalux. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the Sumalux, everyone that I hear talk about them who's tested them and looked at them, you know, at, on a chart and everything, they say these are the most perfect lenses that have ever been made and <laughs> yeah. put on and put on cinema cameras. Yeah. Like they are absolutely un, unworldly good. Mhm. Mm yeah, I've heard cinematographers say that the the lenses are so good that they're waiting for the technology of the cameras to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember working on film sets when my background is in theater, theater and in writing and whatnot, so I worked in, on film sets a lot uh, as a gaffer. Um, and uh, uh, I remember that we would change in changing lenses. One person would hold the Ari and the other would hold the lens because you would never have not have two hands on mm -hmm. one of those Ari lenses. Mm -hmm. I mean, that they cost a mint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the camera, of course, is very delicate. I mean, you sneeze and the thing, you know, the gate is needs to be cleaned again. So yeah. that so I come from kind of that. I remember. <laughs> quote unquote back in the day um, <laughs> where you it took two people to change a freaking lens mm -hmm. yeah. and now all of these C Sumalux PL mount Sumalux lenses are all the same size and yeah. they're I mean they're just tremendous lenses yeah. when they came out this was maybe 2010 or 2011 I remember there was a um, a meeting of the Leica Historical Society of which I'm a member and they did a um they had a guy from Leica come and he brought these lenses and we were all just salivating over these things. And of course there was at the time no way to mount them on our cameras because all we wanted to do is put it on the camera and mm -hmm. start shooting because yeah. we're nuts. 
Um, well, no, they, there was no way to do that. And so we were looking through the glass and we would you know, fondle these lenses and they were really fantastic and they're so incredibly expensive. Yeah. Even dyed in the wool like of people like me and the Leica Historical Society, we were staggered by the price. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently they're waiting for the technology of the cameras to yep. catch up with the lenses. It's insane. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're all the same size. I mean, there's really a lot of things that are, are spectacular about those lenses. Mm -hmm. I immediately called um, my contact at Leica um, and said, I want a full set to be shipped to me immediately. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> they laughed. They were like, really? I'm like, I want one of each. That's the way we do it. I mean, well, look, when, it, when the Leica Q came out, a few months ago, whenever it was announced a few months ago or six months ago, whatever it was, as soon as it's announced, I call up and I want 100 pieces. And they go, this has got to be Dan, right? How, you 100? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 100 pieces. Because I know that they're going to dribble in and I don't want to mess around. <laughs> I don't want to have to call back in a few weeks and add to the order. Just 100 pieces. Yeah. Get busy. So that's the way we roll is that when a new lens comes out, well, I mean, maybe we might not order 100, but I'll order 20 pieces of a lens or a mm -hmm, dozen pieces mm -hmm. of a lens, knowing that it's going to take a long time for them to arrive. Gotcha. And so that's the way we roll. Um, and so I just, I just like, yeah, I want one of each. And they're like, you recognize that they're like $30,000. I don't know what the price is, but they're, it's, it's, they're around there. They're, mm -hmm. I mean, really expensive lenses. Yeah. I was like, yeah, 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 we'll sell them. It'll be fine. So, and they were like, no, 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 you can't handle these. It's not. And it, well, they didn't mean it like they did. They meant it like that in two ways. You can't handle it, and you're not allowed to handle these lenses. Like somebody <laughs> else has to sell them. There, it's it's a company called CW Sonder Optic that mm -hmm. manufactures and sells those lenses. I was very excited, and very keen to get them into the store, but um, no, they no dice. Yeah, <laughs> they put the kibosh on Damn. that. Every now and then, I'll call the I'll call up Leica and I'll ask for things that they haven't made for twenty years, or that have been discontinued. Or, um, you know, I called the other day, I called up and asked for a lens shade that hasn't been made for 20 years. And they're like, well, I don't recognize that number. I was like, well, it's discontinued in like, you know, 93 or something like that. And they're like, what makes you think we have it? I'm like, I don't know. Unless, you, unless you're going to let me come and root around in your drawers there, I, I'm going to keep <laughs> well, they, asking for this stuff. You know, they have the mold. Oh, you know what I mean? See, they they have shells the and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and they just have to put them on, mount them on the machines, and they got to press those out. I'm telling you, I'll buy 20 of them yeah. right now. Yeah, it's, worth, it's worth it to tool up. So every now and then, So every now and then, I like to go to shake that tree. In fact, next week I go to um, I'll, I'll go to Frankfurt. My girlfriend and I are going to go to Frankfurt and do a little vacationing, and I'll also go to Wetzlar and shake the tree and see what happens. Nice. Um, there's a, a, a the only one of the only other people that does what we do around Leica and has expertise that I gotta tell you, man, I bow to is Lars Nettepil um, in Wetzlar, Germany, who's <laughs> Lars Nettepil's classic cameras, who is hands down the world's greatest authority on Leica and has been mm -hmm. their archivist and is really incredibly knowledge, knowledgeable and open and friendly and funny guy. Uh, he's just a really, really nice person. And so I'm gonna go there and check out Lars's shop because he's always got some really exciting stuff. Cool. And, uh, and I'll shake that tree too, although nothing really ever falls out of that tree. <laughs> but I like to shake the trees anyway. So, um, uh, so I do. I, I, I like to keep Leica on their toes. And every time uh, I go to Germany, they don't really know me in Germany because it's too far away. It's across the pond. Mm, yeah. mm. Chicago is not part of their plans, I don't think. Uh, but here in the United States, every time I, every time I call up, they are halfway between laughing and wincing because they know <laughs> I'm going to ask them a tough question. But yeah. they also know that I'm friendly and, and easygoing, easy to do business with. And so we enjoy a good relationship with Leica. Mm. So it's a friendly shaking of the tree. Do you when ever have a luck? Do you ever have luck when you 
ask for those obscure things. Oh yeah, and, every yeah. now and then. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you never know. You never know. Hmm. I mean, it's one of those things. Like it's a business like any other. So they want they want to make sure that they're able to 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 meet the the uh, to supply the demand. Hmm. And sometimes, you know, a, a salesman puts a nick on a camera or somebody drops something or maybe there's a defective item and it has to be refurbished by the company. They don't sell that stuff as new. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's secondhand. Leica doesn't put used cameras in boxes and sell them, not for a luxury item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like going to the Rolex store and getting a used Rolex when you thought you bought a new one. People would freak out, rightly so. But so what happens is Leica will have a certain amount of demo stuff or, you know, oddball items. Um, or something that you know, something that fell on the floor and has a dent. I'm like, I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll shoot anything. It's fine with me if it works. Then I'm, you know, I'm ready to roll. So and I like to have. And also, it's like Daniel, like you said, it's it's going back to having the big camera in front of your face, you know, and and aiming that at people. People know what you're about, and they mm. know that you're making a photograph. And it starts the conversation. Mm-hmm. There are lots of Leica dealers who don't know the names of the people that work at Leica. They don't know the roles. They don't have that, those kinds of conversations. But they know every time that I call up that the checks don't bounce and then I'm real easy to get along with. They'll probably get a couple of laughs and they'll almost certainly be able to sell something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we enjoy a really good relationship, which is something that I think is very rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great yeah. way to do business. Uh, thank you, I think <laughs> yeah. so too. Yeah. <laughs> and when they tell you no, you say, hey, I have the big wooden like M3. That's right, I've got and the you giant. don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually when they tell me no, I say, I've... I'm not familiar with that term. <laughs> How do you spell that? R O. That so we enjoy a very good relationship, and so when I when I do go to visit them in New Jersey, or I do go to the mothership in um, in in Vetslar, uh, I usually get to shake a few hands and That's have awesome. a couple laughs and drink a couple beers and it's a fun mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a fun mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Hey, just let us know we can tag along. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I was bringing a bigger suitcase, I'd be happy to pack you along. But. <laughs> I've done it before. I mean... <laughs> I want you to talk about a little bit about your... Uh, the rare collectibles. Yeah. Oh, oh, the rare. Yeah, we have a. So, there's the rare. There's well, there's uh, there's my mania for cameras, and then there's the rare camera auction. The auction. The auction. Okay. The auction. So and yeah, I'm having a great time. I could I could talk with you guys yeah. for hours. Like <laughs> we just, you know, right? We got We probably have right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so my mania with cameras equals I go into every camera shop everywhere. And it doesn't matter what people is holding a camera. Like I'll see some somebody holding a camera walking by me with a camera. I'd be like, yeah, shoot film. They're like, what? Who said that? <laughs> I mean, I'm crazy about cameras. So I go into every camera store. I love to know what people are shooting. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely nutty about them. And so I love to buy cameras, 10, 15, 20 bucks. It doesn't have to work. Yep. And it goes on the, on the shelf. Um, and so, you know, I found a camera the other day at that Photorama, actually. I think it was at that oh, same really? show. Okay. Somebody was selling something called a Futura. Well, mm. I don't know what it was, but it was pretty cool looking. It was 20 bucks. I'll take it. There you go. And so I've got tons of these cameras. So my mania, I mean, it just doesn't end. I have very few Leicas in my collection. I have my M2. I have three Leica standards, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I have the original monochrome and the current monochrome. And that's it. I literally have a pink Holga. Just because I thought it was funny that some kid put a dinosaur sticker on their Holga and it's pink. Perfect. I think it's great. It is. Yeah. I love it. All that kind of stuff. So that's my camera mania. Absolutely doesn't end. 
one of these days, I think my girlfriend's going to say something about it. But she's a photographer herself and has been really that helps. Really yeah. good. It helps. Um, and she, yeah, she always gets the new deluxe. So I guess as long as I keep her in deluxe camera, she might shut up about my, my <laughs> wow. all of my terrible. I mean, I have hundred, literally like a hundred tiny little cameras around mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. One of these days, she's going to trip over one of them and be like, "This is crazy." <laughs> twist an ankle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, no, she's awesome. It. She's a fantastic photographer, um, and is really and has a very different style than myself. So it's it's fun to go shooting with her because they're very very different styles. So the other side of my mania is and is actually business, which is the rare camera auction. And so since 1996, we are the first camera auction house in the Western Hemisphere dedicated to cameras. Hmm. And we're the, probably the oldest camera auction house in the world that did just cameras. Now I'm not yeah. talking about prints, I'm not talking about toys or watches or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and so I get to deal with the rarest of, of the, hopefully the rarest mm-hmm. of the rare kind of stuff. And I get to talk to other Leica collectors and I get to shop around and try to find the, these rarities. I mean, you know, they don't, we need to get you a show. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Go. ready. Well, so I, I have a, I have a, all right. So now if I say it in public, then it's going to commit me to oh, doing boy. it. Okay. So, <laughs> This is my idea, so I've been doing this for a while. What By I've way, been writing talk, this for a while. You're talking to a film crew, yeah. Just so you know. All right, so here's <laughs> what we're gonna do. I want to do a talk show that's like Johnny Carson, but for Leica. So <laughs> oh, we'll have boy. reader questions, and so you know he used to yeah. do. That. I don't know if you guys know this, but Karnak. You know he had the mm-hmm. turban, yeah. and he would put the thing. Of course, mine will be Barnack. So we're gonna have <laughs> we've got this this kind of thing writes itself. So we're gonna make a video. We're gonna make a series of videos. There's a Seinfeld episode where Kramer gets out of the dumpster Merv Griffin's old set and puts it in his apartment and begins to conduct interviews and talk shows from his living room. Oh There's no cameras. <laughs> he just somehow got, have you ever seen that? He somehow got Merv Griffin's set and installed it in his living room. So I have <laughs> basically the same kind of idea. Except I don't need a set. We're just to sit around a table and BS yeah. about cameras. You know? <laughs> so, so that's the plan. And so I don't know what I'm going to call it. Um, but I will tell you that I'm, my friend Dana named my, my blog, and I didn't know the name of this song, but Tito Nieves has a song called I Like a Like That. Uh. <laughs> or I Like a That, or something. I Like a Like, like That. It. So that's the name of my blog, I Like a Like That. So you can bet there's going to be jokes galore. And we're going to, it is going to be serious, though. I mean, we're going to talk about so this is a thing. real issues. It's a real it's thing. A thing. Well, now that I'm saying it publicly to y'all here, I'm, I'm oh. committing myself. Wow, I've been thinking about it for a long time and writing bits. I have a segment called That Darn Sumacron. Um, you know, we want, we want to do a bunch of like really silly, really silly things. But we also want to talk like we are here uh, and have some serious moments as well yeah. and talk about things and talk about the idea of conversations occurring around photography mm-hmm. and occurring around cameras and not just collecting, not just using, not just gear acquisition syndrome, not gas, not just mm-hmm. all these different things, but to have it be all of it. And to have, you know, there's some people are going to say, oh God, they're talking about collecting again. Oh, boring. I don't care how many screws there are in the top plate of a 3C. <laughs> But they come back in a few minutes because I'm going to start cracking wise about digital. Like, so there's going to be. Yeah. yeah. We want it to be a lot like what you guys talk a lot about different stuff. You have, yeah. you have film, you have lenses, you have camera models. Talk about what you've been doing for the last week. I love ideas like this. So yeah, let's do it. Now that I've committed myself publicly to <laughs> making amazing. this happen, so it's it going to happen. happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Absolutely. So is your is the auction? Is there a date? 
So it, typically it's done between after Halloween and before Thanksgiving. What's happening in the world of Leica right now is that the auction houses are con- consolidating and changing when they do auctions. And so we're going to keep it steady and we're going to probably going to do it the week before Thanksgiving. Okay. And so we, I hope that we have 200 or so lots of rare cameras and it will happen in the showroom and it will be open to the public um, and there will be jokes <laughs> and there will be there's a, well, there will be a showing as well your, so, your hello kitty a holga will be there yes oh yeah man i'd love to sell that thing i don't know if i could let it go i don't know if i could let it go it's too unique it's too unique it's the dinosaur sticker okay, I'm sorry. it's the dinosaur sticker with the patina on it oh, it's, yeah. little, oh, it's, got it's patina. just awesome well yeah it was like a four-year-old kid gave the camera a patina <laughs> got, like, like, on that's it. awesome yeah. man so yeah, so so what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, a reception. We're, we'll have a viewing for people who are interested in seeing the different lots. And this is a traditional thing. Really, it's part of the auction process. People should, ought to be able to inspect the things that they're going to be bidding right. on. And so we'll have showings and viewings of the uh, of the gear, which is done by appointment. Um, uh, although if you've ever come to my store, you know that all you have to do is get me started and I'll show you everything that's in the place. <laughs> but... Um, We'll do a viewing for a few days, and then we'll have a little reception the day before, which would be a Friday night, and uh, we'll have a little, hopefully we'll have an artist there uh, because it'll be in the gallery, and people will ooh and ah. We'll have a few. Hopefully they will. We'll have a few rarities out on the table there, um, and then everybody will get a good night's sleep and come in and be ready to roll the next morning and we'll do the nice. auction and it's not one of these fast talking auctions people have come expecting me to do the yeah. bid calling thing which I don't do ah. I just make ah. lots of jokes <laughs> man I make I was lots hoping. of jokes I know right so there, there's a showing and so you're gonna have does it, is there a lot of people that show up to you know the, well historically we've it? done these in Connecticut and and my family lives in this tiny little town called Woodbridge which is right outside of New Haven where mm-hmm. Yale University is it's not far from New York and so we would get some people but it's mainly online and hmm. it's people believe it or not people fax us bids. Um, people would telex us bids wow. if we had a telex. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get email. But you know, it's all online. Everything's online now. Yeah. So while it is an event, and what happens is um, uh, uh, when we would do the auctions in Connecticut, we would buy lunch and we would have a nice little break. There's a it was a really great is a really great deli around the corner from the place that we would do our auctions in Connecticut. Um, but we have a much bigger audience here in Chicago, and it's time that the auction was here in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Western Hemisphere's hub for all things Leica. And I insist that it occur in Chicago like so many other hubs have throughout you know, servicing the United States and Canada and even uh, Central and South America because the strongest dealer is in Chicago. Um, n- nobody really cares about the second city, New York. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> New, York, New York's already got enough stuff going on. They don't need yeah. anything more. The weather's too good out in California. So I decided Chicago's the place to be. Good so choice. We were, isn't it? I mean, I love this town. And I really want to make it the mecca for all things Leica, which is one of the reasons that I was so excited to come and speak with you guys on your podcast. Mm-hmm. And 
um, and talk about the our, our upcoming project. The, the, <laughs> yes. The like a, I like a like that with Danny T. And um, and to, to have these conversations and to have more than just fleeting moments of seeing another photographer on the street and waving hello, right. to actually have real engagement mm-hmm. and for people to know one another and make connections. It's very, very, very important to me. And yeah. to us, to, to Markin in general, it's always been a hub. Um, it was a hub in New York. It was a hub in Connecticut um, during the days when their film uh, you know, reigned supreme and there were, there were photo stores on every corner and drive through photo mats. You know, mm-hmm. remember those? And no, I know, no, no, no. Seriously, like that, that's, I'm, that marks how old I am. But no, you literally used to be able to drive up and put your film in a window. And I was, uh, yeah. Wow. So those days are gone. Um, part of it is the, is the experience I had in Chicago theater and as a Chicago writer and working with the local artists and the community, it's a very open and vibrant. These communities are very open and very vibrant and they have people from all over the world, all over the Midwest. People grew up here in Chicago, people who are just passing through. I mean, it really has been a hub for a very long time and it's been the, the place where a lot of really wonderful things and entertaining things began and I'm thinking of not ready for prime time players who came out of Second City Second City itself which came mm-hmm. from the Compass players in the 50s I mean it just goes on and on and on and on mm-hmm. and on Chicago's been a great hub for a lot of arts and, and I want to hitch my wagon to that star frankly mm-hmm. yeah it's due to have uh, the like a name I love the to hear all it around yeah we want you to obviously plug your store and give us all the information so people, if they need to get a hold of you, okay. what's your email address, what's your Instagram, what's your Twitter, what's your social security number. All of those great things. Yes. <laughs> Mother's maiden name, shoe size. First pet. First pet. <laughs> first pet. I think first pet was that camera that I destroyed. <laughs> that was the key. Yeah, that was my first pet. So, uh, so my name is Dan Tamarkin, and I'm lucky enough to have a business that is my last name. It's Tamarkin.com. Uh, info at Tamarkin.com or Dan at Tamarkin.com. 1-800-BUY-LICA. How did you get that? That's my dad, man. Oh, that was man. epic. That's We're never giving that one up. Uh, 1-800-BUY-LICA. Um, Instagrizzle is um, Tamarkin Chicago. And then I personally am Dan underscore Tamarkin. Um. I'm like on Twitter. I just learned how to tweet and Twitter and all of this stuff. So like, I don't really know anything about it, but I am at like a Maven Facebook. We are to mark camera. Um, and we urge people to come to our gallery. The Rangefinder Gallery is in the Tamarkin Camera Showroom. Mm-hmm. It's 300 West Superior Street. And this is where all the cameras are, too. So you can come and visit the cameras. 300 West Superior Street in downtown Chicago. It's on the second floor. It's right at the corner of Franklin and Superior Streets. The Brown Line Chicago stop mm-hmm. drops you off right at our front door. On the first Friday of every month, we have an opening reception in the gallery. What's that? Um, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we open the doors and invite everybody in. And we usually have refreshments. Um, the artist will ordinarily be there um, be signing books if there are one. Uh, to be signed and generally just sitting around and schmoozing about cameras and, and photography. That's amazing. It's mm-hmm. every Friday, yeah. every first Friday, no matter what, that's the Rangefinder gallery at Tamarkin camera. So, so we urge people to come and visit in part because I'm the biggest camera, one of the biggest camera nerds ever. And I love talking about what I do and about Leica. 
Um, plenty and, to look at. And there's shop. plenty to look at. Yeah, we've got hundreds of cameras. And, you know, you can come and visit. You can come and visit and leave your checkbook at home. You don't have to be buying something. <laughs> yeah. You can just come and visit, yeah. which is an uncommon thing, I think, in the world of Leica stores and these corporate stores. And, you know, heaven forbid you should walk into, you know, a place like uh, Van Cleef and Arpels or, uh, or Louis Vuitton and not have a, a, a grand in your pocket to spend mm -hmm. on some bauble. But we encourage people to come in and leave your checkbook at home, pick up all the Leicas, and, uh, you know, you get the whole tour. We roll out the red carpet. And then one day, when you're ready to buy a Leica, you'll think of Tamarkin. Yeah, that's yeah. my that's my hope. That's my hope. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was great to to come here and, and see the store firsthand. It looks fantastic. Yeah. So it's it's I've never seen so many Leicas in one place. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, thank you. I'm <laughs> thrilled to have you, and I'm yeah. thrilled to be on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Um, hey, it's uh, my pleasure. It's everything that I expected. I mean, your personality. Oh, I mean, I I recommend anybody. Uh, that wants to look into Leica to come visit Dan because he, you, you, there is a certain honesty about you and you're, you're very approachable. Thank you. Uh, and I remember the one thing that popped in my mind when you were talking, when you had your cameras at the, the show was, you're like, you know what, there, you know, we got this, this, and this. This is wrong with this camera. So you were really upfront about like saying, okay, this is, this is what needs to be fixed on this camera, but it's worth it because of this. Yeah. It, you know, you weren't saying, okay, you know, here, kid. Yeah. You should buy this bucks. camera. Right, right, yeah. right, right. You were right. very upfront about everything. So that's a big Yeah, I encourage anybody you. that wants to go and, and learn about Leica or purchase a Leica, come visit Dan. From Thank the Grand you so City much. of Chicago. Dan the man. Yes. That's right. Do you do online sales as well? We don't have a. We, this is actually, I'm glad you asked that. We don't have a shopping cart because we want to have, and this is going to sound super cheesy, but it's really true. We want to have direct contact with our customers. Mm -hmm. And all, usually people have questions. Um, and if I bought, if I had gotten a camera and the shutter timing wasn't right and I didn't have somebody to talk to about it, I wouldn't, I, mean, I would, I want to talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, whether things are right or wrong or in between. And so that's one of the services that we provide, even though we might not have exactly the model that you're looking for or exactly the price point that you want, you'll always get good service. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what we do. And, I, and, and uh, when I started in this business, I said to myself, if you can uphold the reputation that your father began, you'll be successful. And I'm still trying. I mean, you know, it doesn't end. Yeah, the, hus the hustle never ends, and yeah. and service doesn't end. I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's uh, buying a Leica should be, or buying anything that you really enjoy, and certainly something that's a luxury item should be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. and it should be exciting, and it should be something that you remember. Yeah. You know, yeah. something that you remember that you really enjoy, and so we want to provide that experience for people. That's whether it's a filter or you know fifty thousand dollars in Leica. That's yeah. really refreshing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So remind us, you said it was it was Tamarkin.com? Tamarkin.com, 1-800-BUY-LICA, that's 289-5342, or on the worldwide interwebs, and it's T-A-M-A-R-K-I-N, um, or directly to me at Dan at Tamarkin.com. And you can find them on YouTube. Well, yeah. So now we have all the contact information. Be sure to uh, check out the website, Tamarkin.com. Um, if you have questions about picking up a Leica, then... 
give uh, give Dan a call or, or uh, send him an email, info at samarkin.com or, or directly dan at samarkin.com. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, queries, any of those that you want to uh, talk to us about, um, it's podcast at thatvintagelens.com. And feel free to check out the website. We've got lots of uh, other podcast episodes there. We've got uh, reviews of different cameras and some uh, critiques and all of that. And and uh, we just have a lot of fun. So yeah, it's uh, thatvintagelens.com. We want to thank Dan again so much for being on the podcast. We really had a great time here. <laughs> Likewise, me too. I've had a great time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Yeah.